Good to see y'all. Good to see you at home. Uh, I was just thinking, isn't it great that as we worship together, we are filling the airways with the glory of God. And you're going to be here in every household and every venue that's watching online and, of course, here in this room. Uh, we're just praising God together. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. We continue to do that this morning. Um, and uh, so far, we have looked at the, uh, the way we address God as our Father. And we saw in that a great intimacy that we are brought into a relationship with the Father through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross on our behalf. And as a result of that, we have right of access into heaven. Uh, this access doesn't belong to us uh, because we are such great people. It, it is given to us because Jesus Christ died in our place, took away our sins, made us able to stand in the presence of God. And so when we pray, Our Father, uh, we are just entering into a time of prayer that's filled with that closeness and that intimacy. Now, as you know, Jesus, um, uh, well, he taught about prayer and taught about the, the Lord's Prayer, if you will, on, on at least two occasions. The Gospels record that for us. Uh, we've been using as our text uh, and guide the uh, version that is found in Luke chapter 11, the first four verses. Uh, it's a little bit shorter. Uh, when Jesus taught the same prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, he added a little bit to sort of flesh out the meaning uh, just a little bit. And so in Matthew 6, uh, when he was preaching and teaching on this um, subject, he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who just love to hear themselves pray, who just go on and on and on and have just, just tons of words to say to God. They love to be heard. They love to be seen in the synagogue praying. He says, don't be like that. He says, when you pray, Find a secret place. Find some place all by yourself. Find a time where you won't be noticed. And go to the Father in prayer in a way that won't point at you. Because after all, prayer isn't about you. It's about the Father. And so he said, when you pray, just pray our Father. And then in Matthew, it says, which art in heaven? It's sort of like, yeah, uh, we're praying to our Father, but we need to understand this is a unique relationship. It's not just the same relationship you might have had with an earthly father, good or bad, but this is a unique relationship. It's a one-of-a-kind relationship because your father isn't just a, a father that everybody knows floating around in the world, but rather your father is a father which is in heaven, which art in heaven uh, in the King James and so when you pray, remember that he's in heaven as well. Uh, it's no small thing to pray to God. You know, most, most people think it is a small thing. After all, how, how many friends do you have who will tell you, I pray all the time, and, and I just tell God whatever's on my mind, and I just, and, you know, me and God, we have sympathetical mind, and, you know, and we're just, you know, just this, this sort of almost flippant attitude towards God. But when we understand, as we talked about last week, what it took to get us into the prayer room of heaven. What it took to bring us out of our sinfulness so that we could even talk to God at all. And that the Father we address is the Father who created the universe, who is royal in splendor and majesty, who is wondrously beautiful, who is worthy of all praise and adoration, 
This is our Father. He is a Father in heaven. He's a, he's a Father so exalted that no one can imagine except that He revealed Himself to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. So when you pray, pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, our, our heavenly Father, and that has dramatic kinds of consequences as we think about it. Because we talked about the intimacy that we have because He is our Father. But understand the miracle it is because He is in heaven. Not only is prayer intimate, prayer is awesome. Prayer is communication. Prayer is is communion. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is is conversing with the God who created everything. The, The God of the universe. The God who is sovereign over everything and everyone. So, so prayer is, it's intimate. And never lose the intimacy of prayer. But understand it's awesome. Understand to whom it is that we are praying. Now this is sort of a word of caution to us that we need to um, enter into the presence of God with a little bit of, of awareness of what's happening. And when we pray, we need to have a, a, just a, a sense of the glory that surrounds prayer. But it's also a word of encouragement. Because we could never bridge the gap between heaven and earth. We could never have, have uh, found a way to get from where we are to where God is. He has provided that way. He has come down to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so in that prayer, when we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, it, just, it, it, it kind of summarizes the, the entirety of what it takes to know God and to serve Him and to pray him. And so I've been asking you to uh, incorporate the Lord's Prayer into your prayer time, into your private worship time, not as a matter of rote, not just as a matter of recitation, not just saying the prayer, but praying the prayer. And when you come to those words, Our Father which art in heaven, just pause for a moment and understand and, and worship and give God the thanks and the glory because of who He is. And that's sort of Uh, also wrapped up in in the next line, which is in uh, the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use the word hallow very much, uh, unless we're quoting Lincoln's Gettysburg Address or something, but uh, by and large, yeah, all of you are going through it now, trying to figure out where it is. This hallowed ground here talks about. But hallowed is a word... Um, in English, as in the Greek, it, it means, may your name be held up and reverenced as holy. May your name be recognized as just totally beyond where we are. May your name be held in adoration. May your name be held in, in, a, in a particular uh, sort of, of, um, uh, of, of attitude of praise. Lord, may your name be holy. And one of the great gifts that God gave to his people, Israel, was his name. You remember that Moses, when he encountered God in the burning bush incident, that uh, at one point Moses says, uh, what, what is your name? Whom shall I say has sent me? G- give me your name. And God said, well, tell them that I am has sent you. He says, tell them 
that the one who is uniquely within himself, who's, who's, who's not just another being among many, but he is being itself, he's the source of all life, tell them that I am has sent you. And in the Hebrew, I am is Echye, and, um, in, in, and that was uh, altered just a little bit into Yahweh, or Yehye, and then that came into Yahweh, and from that we get Yehowai, Jehovah, and I won't go into that. We've talked about that before. But simply, this is God's personal name. And when God gave his people his name, he invited them, he called them, he brought them unto himself. So the name of God is a precious, precious gift. Our uh, Jewish brethren knew that early on, and they stopped just reciting the name every uh, you know, constantly. They held the name in such reverence that instead of saying uh, Yahweh, they, they would say Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for Lord. And you put Yahweh and Adonai together, you, and that's how we get Jehovah. But, um, but they held in such reverence. They, the translators of most of our English translations uh, follow the same pattern. If you've got an English translation and you see the, the word God in all capital letters, you know, big cap and little cap letters, um, that means the Hebrew word behind that is most likely Elohim. But if you see the word Lord in all capital letters, that means the, the, the word behind that is Yahweh, God's personal name. And out of reverence, we don't just lightly just, just throw it around. So the name was a gift to God's people. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray that God, may your name be known as holy. You see, the, the prayer isn't asking, God, we sure hope you make that holiness thing someday. How would be your name? May, God, we're, we're rooting for you to, to, to be holy enough and to be good enough and righteous enough that God may, we're hoping that you will attain to holiness. No, the, the prayer is recognizing the holiness of God and latching on to the holiness of God. Saying, God, may your name be reverenced and, and known for its holiness. May your name be holy and known as holy throughout the world. You see, that's, that's the, the, the mission of the church. That's our calling as a church is to let God's name be known as holy. Our mission is to make the holiness of God manifest in, 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 in our fellowship, in our, in our life, in our teaching, in our proclamation. But ultimately, we want God to be acknowledged as holy by all the earth. That's why there's an evangelistic imperative in the gospel that we tell others that God sent His Son. Our sin killed Him, but God raised Him, and now we have this glorious opportunity to repent and to know God in His holiness and His righteousness. We want the world to know that God is holy. And so when we come to this, you know, hallowed be thy name. May your name be holy. It is reaching out to our world and saying, world, we want the holiness of God to be made known. God, work through us that the world would know that your name is holy. It is also the calling of the church in worship. That's why we worship and magnify the name of the Lord. That's why we gather together, you know, and we sing songs. You know, when I was growing up, we had hymnals. Hymnals were books that had songs in them. You know, okay, some of you remember them. 
But anyway, but hymn number one almost always was holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Right? We would sing holy. It's not like God doesn't know he's holy. It's that we need to be reminded that he's holy. We need to know that the holiness of God is the focal point of our worship. There's a lot of good things that can go on in worship. You know, you can, you can talk about helpful hints on how to live and, and give guidelines and rules for, you know, for raising children or having a happy home or, or getting a career or knowing the will of God or even on prayer or something. But ultimately, our worship is all about the holiness of God. That, that our worship would magnify the holiness of God. That's, that's, that's sort of the rule of thumb. If, you know, if you're in a worship service, you've got to ask yourself, is the holiness of God being made known in this service? Because that's what the church is about. And that's what we're about as believers in Jesus Christ. Is that the holiness of God would come into our lives. That we would be conformed to the holiness of God. Uh, Paul puts it in, in Ephesians 1.4. He says that the reason God called us was he called us to holiness, to be holy, to be made holy, to be made like Jesus, conformed to the image of Christ, wherein the holiness of God resides. So that, that's our calling as individual Christian believers. Now, as you're going through the Lord's Prayer, and I, I really do, I, I really challenge you this week to, to just go through the Lord's Prayer. You've probably got it memorized already. I hope so, but... But just go through the Lord's Prayer and pause on these phrases. And when you get to this one, it says, and you know, hallowed be thy name. Understand, that's the foundation for the rest of the prayer. Without the holiness of God, front and foremost, the rest of the prayer is a lot of wishful thinking. God, feed me. Forgive me. Deliver me. Now, the, the, those are great prayers, and sometimes we pray those real quick because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough moment. But those petitions before God are based on the fact that our Father in heaven is a holy God. And that He deserves to be praised. His holiness needs to be made known in the way that He provides for us. His holiness needs to be made known in the way that He forgives us. His holiness needs to be made known in the way that He delivers us. So when you get to, you know, hallowed be thy name, that's the foundation of the rest of the prayer. That's the foundation of all prayer. The holiness of God. That includes things like his righteousness and his justice and his goodness and his benevolence and, and his kindness and you know, all, his mercy and grace. All those are wrapped up in the holiness of God. And so we are called to that, that kind of personal investment in the holiness of God. You know that when God was giving the Ten Commandments, you know, it's sort of like uh, the, the, the basic focal point of how he wanted his people to live. Uh, this was when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're, they're on the Exodus journey from Egypt to the Promised Land and all that happens in between. But uh, they, they pause at Mount Sinai and Moses went up into the mountain and there God gave him Ten Commandments uh, that, that would just sort of focus the people on what God's expectation was but the first three of those commandments have to do with the holiness of God. It says you'll have no other gods before me. 
It's not like the holiness of God can be shared somewhere. It's, it, it's, it's not as though there are other gods who can sort of uh, latch on to this thing and, and, and be partners with God. You'll have no other gods. He alone is God. And you'll have no idols. You're not going to try and, 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 and locate God into a, a particular image so that you can keep him on the shelf and bring him out when you need him and put, away, put him away when it's inconvenient. You're not going to have idols like you can control God in his presence. You will not have any idols. And then he says, and you will not take my name in vain. Father, let your name be holy will not take your name in vain. Now, the first thing we think of, as I was taught uh, coming up in the church, was uh, just, you know, don't use God's name in a casual, meaningless way. Sadly, so many Christian believers today have, have fallen the pattern of the world because it sounds so good. You know, when you use the name of God in, in swearing or an interjection or just to, you know, and, and, and instead of just saying, wow, you've got to use God's name to, to show how serious you are or something. This is a very sad thing. The name of God is a holy name. It's not to be used casually. It's not to be used and, and dragged through the gutter. But it's rather to be reverenced. That's the first thing I thought, you know, don't. Don't treat God's name in vain. But the other part of it is, is treating God's name in vain is, is to treat God himself as though he was just a, uh, an addition to your life. You know, you have these interests. You have, maybe have hobbies. You're a member of a club. You, 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 you go to work and you have a professional circles that you move in and, and, and those kinds of Oh, and by the way, I also have God in my life. That's, that's treating God's name with less than the holiness he, he deserves. God is everything. He is holy and majestic, and so he needs to be everything in our lives. Do not take the name of God in vain. Don't treat it so lightly and so um, casually in those ways. So God's name calls us to, to bring our lives and our being, who we are, to bring it into conformity with his holiness and with his Righteousness. You see, if, if you're praying that God's name would be holy, you can't, with that prayer, then add a little bit of sin into your life as though the two were compatible. When you're seeking the holiness of God, that His name would be holy in your life, when you're seeking the holiness of God, there's no room for the bigotry and the prejudice and the unkindness um, I'm going to be very personal because this, this, this would be me. There's not even room to be snarky unless it's really creative, <laughs> which my snarkiness usually is. But you, you see the point. Sometimes we're so casual in how we treat other people and how, how we think about them and, and, and we just dismiss them or we, we, we're judgmental on others and... and and all that goes out the window when you realize God alone is holy. He alone is sovereign. Our call is to, is to serve Him and let His holiness be seen in us. It radically transforms how you relate to other people. It gives you a whole different perspective on the world. When you understand everything you're seeing in the world today, and there's a lot of stuff to see, but all of it must surrender to the holiness of God. 
It doesn't matter who it is who's talking. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. Ultimately, it must be surrendered to the holiness of God. We need to make sure that that our lives are, and our our thought, and our, our, our attitudes, and our opinions are surrendered to the holiness of God. Because Jesus said, you know, when you're when you're praying and you're and you're starting out, what I want you to do is start out with Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Let your name be holy. And that becomes a driving, critical passion for us in our lives. Now, I've suggested that that we need to use the Lord's Prayer. And frankly, I've been doing that these past several weeks. Just, you know, every now and then during the day, just pause and and, and run through in my mind the Lord's Prayer and and offer that up to God. And I, I just really encourage you to do that. But here's the problem that we're going to have. It's the problem I have. It's the problem everybody has. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, but I'm not holy at all. I don't even have a right to say your name be holy. You remember in Isaiah chapter 6 that the prophet Isaiah was uh, worshiping in the temple and, and uh, he says that the Lord came into the presence of the temple and he, would, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the, and the, the hem of his garment, just the, the trail of his robes filled the whole room and smoke filled the room and then angels came in and they started crying out, holy, 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 the earth is full of your glory. And Isaiah, when he was confronted with the holiness of God, immediately was convicted of his sin. He said, you know, depart from me, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He understood that when you come that close to the holiness of God is to have your sin just magnified. And that's the problem we have when we say, you know, hallowed be thy name. I'm not even close here. I'm not even in the ballpark where I can say that. But here is the grace of God. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, that we might be born again, made a new creation in Christ Jesus, now sons and daughters, the children of God. And now when we walk into the presence of God, We walk in clothed in the righteousness of Christ and not in our own unrighteousness. It is the grace of God that that leads us to pray these things and to rejoice in uh, praying these these kinds of things. And so it's, it's, it's difficult to pray unless you know that God is the one who enables the prayer. Because then when the child of God prays, when the child of God prays, it's through the ministry of angels that our prayers are taken to heaven. It is by the intercession of the Holy Spirit that what we've prayed as weak and failing and and, and shallow as it is, what we have prayed is translated into words worthy of God on His throne by the Holy Spirit who makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. And as the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, the Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and He's interceding for us. And so, you know, in that theology of prayer, what happens is when we pray, God does all the work. You see that? 
He's the one who, who lifts our prayers to heaven, translates them to a, to a prayer appropriate to his holiness, and then he answers those prayers for us. It's just an amazing thing. And so this morning, I would challenge you, first of all, if you do not know God as your heavenly Father, you cannot say, I've come to that point where I, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I asked Him into my heart to save me, to forgive me of my sins. If you haven't come to that moment, come to that moment now, in this moment. And as you pray for that forgiveness, the Holy Spirit will work in your life and just bring you to the Father and give you new birth in Christ. And I would invite you then, this week, in your prayer time, you know, sometimes people say, I don't know what to pray. Here it is. I want you to use the Lord's Prayer. And as you come to each phrase, just pause and let the Holy Spirit work in your mind what that means in your life that day. Because Jesus said, when you pray, here's what I want you to say. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father, how thankful we are that it's not our doing but yours that brings us to you at all. And this morning especially we pray that your name would be glorified in our lives. That your Holy Spirit would show us those things that need changing and rearranging and altering. That your Holy Spirit would bring a conviction upon us but then also bring a conversion upon us to change us and mold us into the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may your name be known as holy by the way in which you work in us. May we be found obedient that every eye around us would be turned heavenward to give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, we pray that your name would be hallowed. And we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.